Welcome inside episode 665 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains and it's time to turn the page to an important week after the Senators losing streak reached 5 after a 2-1 loss to the Philadelphia Flyers. And the Belleville Senators won one of their games and lost one of their games on the weekend. But what is going on with Jacob Bernard Docker? He's up, he's down, he's up, he's down. We'll get into that. And it continues today. Plus, every Monday, we take a look around the world of Sens prospects, where Tyler Clevin scored his first goal of the season and a whole lot more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Monday, November 7th. We are free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube, where the best way you can help the show grow is to like every video by clicking the thumbs up and subscribing to the Locked On Senators channel. We are now more than ever going to make this a full game day experience at Locked On Sen. So make sure you put the bell on. We're going to have a pregame 60-second reel. We're going to do the same after the game. And then, of course... The postcast, I wanted to start with a little stick taps to Jack Richardson for filling in for me on Saturday. Thought he did a great job, and you guys really shined that turd up from Saturday night. I mean, what choice do we have here? And uh, could we do any more content, Ross? I'm not really sure. If you guys need your Ottawa Senators information, you could be sure we've got it, and we're still going strong five episodes a week, Monday through Friday. You guys know it already, but... Uh, Five episodes a week when your team has lost five straight games isn't exactly the uh, the vibe we thought we were going to have this season, Aros. Eh, Maybe not the vibe, but it certainly leads to a lot to get into because you can yes. look for, for so many different reasons. This losing streak, there's some you know threads that have have weaved their way through the entire thing, and then there's some new problems that arise because other problems that are fixed, but then new problems come up, right? Because what did we say after the games in Florida, in Tampa? Like, it was a complete dusting. They they got outshot. I believe they let them 96 shots, if I'm yeah. doing the math there, right? They had 36. They got outshot by triple. Well, the last two games, they've outshot their opponents substantially when you look at the Vegas game. And then, well, goals against was the problem. They only give up two against Philly. Shout out Cam Talbot. Awesome first start as an Ottawa Senator for him. But, like, they just don't seem to have that it factor and able to bury at the right time. And Ross, the right time is when you're down by one and you pull the goalie and you have a six on five man advantage. And if we're going to point to any kind of scenarios that have been the downfall to this Ottawa Senator season, that's where I'm going. Because you look at all these games and Jack Richardson, uh, he tweeted it out. Like if you're not counting the empty net goals, all of their losses have been by one goal and they've had the opportunity six on five to negate that. And at the very least tie it up and send it to OT or shootout and get one point here. Like to have no points on any of those games when you're right there. Sure. When you're looking at the, the, um, 
the Vegas game, the the Tampa, the Florida game. Sure, maybe you're getting outclassed and you don't exactly expect to win that game, but you're right there. If you can just get one goal to go in with uh, your goalie pulled, I'm not saying this team is uh, everything's magically fixed and uh, we're not worried here, but it definitely softens the blow of all those losing games when you're at least getting points and you're slowly climbing your way up the division here because right now they are anchored at the bottom of that Atlantic division. They certainly are. And I'm pulling up for those watching on YouTube as well. And this is such a jarring statistic for me. And you don't get a ribbon. You don't get a medal. You don't get a trophy for this. But look at the teams that they're surrounded by. 30th Mm -hmm. in the National Hockey League right now in points. And again, it's pretty early to be looking at the standings. But I'm looking a few columns over to the right. Look at goal differential. Filzy. Columbus is minus 25, St. Louis is minus 14, San Jose minus 13, Anaheim minus 22, Arizona minus 14, and the team coming to town on Tuesday, the Canucks, are minus 8. That's 26 through 32. I didn't say Ottawa. They're even goal differential. That's unheard of. There isn't an even goal differential team. You have to get all the way to 16th in the league. And that's where we would expect this team to be realistically, right? Like that's kind of where I think realistic sense fans have them playing meaningful games and battling for a final wildcard spot. That's right where 16 is. And that's why, you know what? Look, I know everyone is all hopped up on the fire DJ train, but I'm not, I'm not close to that as of now because this team is, getting close to games and I know it's a results-based league and when you're a head coach that's all that matters at the end of the day but I don't think the underlying issues here are are clearly and distinctly on DJ Smith alone there's a lot of other factors going on with this team that we can get into but yeah when you have a, a goal differential of even zero and you're this far down there's obvious issues that are causing your team not to be able to push and get those W's and get those points. The Ottawa Senators are top 10 in the National Hockey League in 5-on-5 save percentage, 5-on-5 shooting percentage, and save percentage combined, which is a stat some coaches look at. Goals for percentage and high danger scoring chances percentage based on them versus their opponent. And they've also, this was such an issue the last couple seasons, scoring first. Remember that? They They would go stretches of 10 games allowing the first goal. They've scored first in seven of their 11 games. Yep. This season, so they're putting themselves in the right area, but it just seems like different breakdowns and player usage. Before we move on to JBD, which is something we have to get into, I want to talk about Belleville. We always do our prospects on Mondays. Big guest coming up on Thursday, by the way. And this one, I'm not teasing on purpose because I think the shock factor will 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 have a hit once we get on said Central Citizen on Wednesday. But Pilsy, I need you to power rank right now. The top three problems with this team. Okay, so starting off the one I mentioned, not scoring six on five, that's number one. Uh, I don't know how you feel about it, Ross, but I think that's the major issue here because I was of the mind, and I've said this kind of cliche term a lot, this team is designed to outscore a lot of their problems. And when you're getting that many six on five opportunities down by one goal and you have the likes of Alex Dabrinkit, Brady Kachuk, Claude Giroux, Shane Pinto, when you have these guys available at your offensive arsenal and you're not able to get the job done, no wonder you're not winning games. Like Alex Dabrinkit shooting at 4.1%. 
that's that's tough. So I, I think that the top thing has to be their inefficiency to get the job done at six on five and not only get the job done, but being scored on as well when they have their goalie pulled. So that for me is, is number one. Number number two is got to be, and it's a similar vein, the power play. Uh, Ian Mendez mentioned this. When, when the Sens are winning, they're clicking at a power play percentage of somewhere in the 30s. Like, that is incredible to be going over 30% on your power play. And that goes along with what I was saying. They can outscore a lot of their problems. If you get the man advantage, take advantage of it and get those goals. And when they're losing games, they're simply not doing that. They went 0 for 5 up against the Philadelphia Flyers. Like five really good opportunities to tie this game up or, or take the lead in the 2-1 game that you ultimately lose. So I would say that's, that's the second problem. And then third is... I hate to to harp on the guy and I hate to point kind of directive fingers, but it's got to be Thomas Shabbat. I mean, when the decor is this week and you have a guy that's supposed to be and has been used to propping this decor up and he's simply not doing it and he's playing, playing adequately is, it would be generous. I would say like he's, you could argue he's playing poorly here. And Ian Mendez talked about it in his article. He's taking a lot of minor penalties and that's a big indicator that you're not keeping up with competition. You're having to resort to taking penalties just to make sure you don't get beat. And uh, and just overall, he hasn't looked good. Like even Tom Shabbat's supposed to be a puck possession guy. When he has the puck in the ozone, and since Twitter is all over this as well, he's so hesitant with the puck. Like he doesn't want to shoot it. He holds it on too long. He's really making it very obvious what he's going to do. Guys are able to get in lanes, get sticks in the passing lanes and stop whatever he's trying to do. So I hate to kind of bring it all down on Shabbat, but when you got an $8 million defenseman that's not playing very well and you already have a weak decor, that's going to be a big issue. So to to summarize, not being efficient on six on five, your power play not coming in clutch when you need it, and Tom Shabbat not playing up to the level we need him to. Yeah, I think those are all really fair um, points. Like the power play for me is is probably at the top of the list right now, more so than six on five, because they wouldn't even okay. find themselves in situations where they need to go six on five if they go two for five on the power play yesterday. Or on yeah, Saturday, fair. Right? So there's different things that you can look at there. And with with Thomas Shabbat, I'm just checking out his advanced stats right now to see. And like the Corsi percentage looks good. Like the goals for percentage is above 50%, but like, it's just the mistakes in his own end that just need to be cleaned up. And I'm curious if less is more with Thomas Shabbat. Like, why not just try it? Because they, they run him into the ground, game in and game out. Play him 22, 24 minutes a night. That's not even like a benching at all. That's just not. No. And I, I want to say that his shift length is among the highest in the National Hockey League as well. If we tighten that up, he's still playing the same amount of shifts. Yeah. But he, he won't have to go out there and, and play a minute and a half at the same time. And then by the end of it, if he gets caught on a long change or whatever the case may be, all of a sudden he's hemmed in his own zone. And then when you're tired, I mean, that's a bit of an excuse to be able to be, you know, mentally not as sharp. And you're taking time. penalties when you're tired because you're a step behind. Exactly. So hopefully he can get that figured out. And hopefully the team, because for me, Thomas Shabbat's problems are as much a coaching issue as they are a Thomas Shabbat issue. You think that's a hot take at all? Because I think that the way they're utilizing him is not setting him up for success. Yeah, that's the thing. And that's what I want people to understand is I, I think there's a lot of things that DJ Smith does well with this team, but when it comes down to it, 
the main job of the coach, at least in my mind, is to be able to assess your team and make adjustments when necessary. So DJ Smith's got to be able to sit there and be like, okay, I've got $8 million Tom Shabbat. He's not playing well. He can't just be like, I'll keep playing him 26 minutes a night, 28 minutes a night, and he'll figure it out. Because then you're not making any adjustments and you're not doing anything as a coach to try to try to alter that. So I need DJ Smith to look at Thomas Shabbat and say, hey, it's not working. We got to get him out for shorter shifts, like you mentioned, um, different scenarios, don't have him playing as much as he is. And it's it's if Thomas Shabbat's not going, he needs to have opportunities to try to change his game and the coaching staff needs to work with him in that sense. So yeah, I, I would agree that when it comes down to that, you have to look at DJ making some some critical decisions and changes when it comes to that decor and uh, ice utilage. Yeah, uh, ice utilage, eh? Is utilage even a word? I don't know. Oh, I, I don't think so. <laughs> utilization. That's what I was going for. I missed a couple syllables there. Utilization. Word of the day. <laughs> Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, this is not a chart that you want to be at the top of. Like there, there are some solid defensemen up there, of course, especially in late in games. You're going to want to play those guys and, and keep them out for extended periods. But right now, Thomas Shabbat second in the National Hockey League in longest shift length, right behind Drew yeah. Doughty and two seconds ahead of Eric Carlson, who's had a phenomenal bounce back season. But I, I would like to see this a little bit lower. I actually, let's see right on the fly here and then we're going to get in the JBD. But I want to see... What, how this compares to the rest of the defensemen on the team, right? Like he's almost 10 seconds higher than the next guy per shift, Pilsy. And the only reason Artem Zub and Eric Branson are up there so much is because they get hemmed on the long shifts when they're playing with him too, right? So, yeah, well, no, but look how close everyone else is, except for Zub, who I think more so is, is to your point out there with Shabbat and kind of gets stuck out there with them. Everyone yeah. else, 42 to 45 seconds. Look how close all those guys are. And then yep. it's, a 15-second gap until you get up to Thomas Shabbat. Maybe Shabbat needs a new partner. We know Artem Zoop's hurt, but the yo-yoing continues with Jacob Bernard Docker. He's been called up as recently as five minutes ago as we're recording here just after 9 a.m. on Monday. The senders are at practice at 10.30. We'll give you updates at Send Central on Twitter. But first, Pilsy, let's get to one of our favorite sponsors and then discuss, are they doing JBD dirty? By bringing him up and down, it's almost the Eric Branstrom treatment from a few years ago. Yep, and that I've had my say on how I thought that went too. So that's definitely an interesting topic we're going to get into. And Ross, this decor is not protecting their house. I think we can definitely make that sure. But you can protect your house with Simply Safe. The numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe Home Security to protect their home. Gotta be doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters, as it should be. They protect you with cutting-edge security technology, powered by 24/7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. With that 24/7 professional monitoring, their agents can call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Simply Safe blankets your home in protection with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door. You're fully covered. And not just 
You're, they're not potato cameras up there. You got HD security cameras for inside and outside your home. So it's smarter ways to detect motion that only alert you when a threat is real. So if you if you got a squirrel running across your yard or whatever, it's not going to be a five alarm bell system and things are going to be cr going crazy. And they even have hazard sensors that instantly detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. So it's not just break-ins. They got you fully covered here. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes. Everybody's got a few minutes to spare and your safety is worth it. Go to simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL. You can save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Can't argue with that. Head to simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL to learn more. Guys, it's simple. There's no safe like Simply Safe. I figure the people need a track called The Best Time. Ooh. As we come I, on. I but, like it. It's, it's funky. Yeah, it's good, eh? Yeah. Let it ride out a little bit here. The Ottawa Senators right. lost five in a row. <laughs> Not funky. But we're having the best time. Because this is an important week. The Vancouver Canucks Huge. are in town on Tuesday. And the schedule just gets more important. After that, the Devils on the road on Thursday, and then they visit the house that Claude Giroux built, I'll say, in Philadelphia. Bobby Clark might have some words for that one, but it will be Claude Giroux's first time in Philly, and we should give some stick taps because Claude Giroux, four-game goal streak for, for Claude right now, and uh, he's been looking real good, and it took him 244 to get on the board. Sorry, I, th I think it's four goals in three games. Am I, am I right there? That sounds about right. He's he's been hot lately. Absolutely. Three game goal streak, four goals in those three games. That's absolutely yep. sick. All that to say though that uh, this is a crucial week for the Ottawa Senators, and it kind of makes me feel like JBD's not going to get in the lineup. He was just recalled. He was sent down. Now, I'll start with this, and we'll go from there. DJ Smith, when asked about why he brought yep. up JBD but scratched him, his exact quote was, "Well." When we when he gets here, we want him to be here for an extended period of time. And then they sent him down and then called him back up. So they are literally bringing him up and down, up and down. He missed Belleville's game Saturday because of the call-up, but he's not playing. I'm I'm confused. Moi aussi, Ross. I am also confused because the the issue here, and that's what I said. Like when everyone was clamoring, okay, get JBD up, get JBD up. I was saying don't just get him up for a game or two and then send him back down. Like, especially when Belleville's playing two games. Like, I would much, much rather have JBD playing big minutes for Belleville in two games rather than eating popcorn up in the press box with the Ottawa Senators. And it just, it's so confusing because JBD gets called up and you're thinking, okay, Zub's not quite ready yet, but at least this means they're going to scratch 22 and they're going to play JBD because... He can't be any worse. Am I thinking that inserting JBD for uh, 22 is going to boost this team and all their defensive woes are solved? No, not at all. But it can't be worse than what we've seen from Nikita Zaitsev. That's for damn sure. Okay, they don't play him the first game. All right, you know what? Maybe you want to get a practice in. You want to get him uh, used to the team. All right, he'll, he'll get a next game, surely, right? Nope. Not in the next game. Okay, that's 
that's a little weird. But I mean, that if he's not in this game, it must mean Zub is coming back and they're just going to send him down because they weren't able to get him in before Zub was back. Sorry, nope. you said you said catch 22 there, right? Yeah. Or scratch 22. And scratch it made me, 22, yeah. You think of a catch 22 is a problematic situation for which the only solution is denied by a circumstance. <laughs> I think we have one of those on our hands right here. We, we got a catch 22 with 22 here. We got a scratch 22 on our hands here. And, <laughs> and it seems just like it makes too much sense for him to come out for a game, put in JBD and see what you have. I think he's he's ready to play. He looked good in preseason at the very least. Yeah, I don't discount the fact that you're going to the NHL meetings, you're going to the practices, you're you're you know defending against the Ottawa Senators' top six on that. I get it, but you need to play game situations, and I just throw them in. What do they have to lose? You cannot be worse than 22 out there. See that giveaway in the third period? <laughs> you and, and I and- have done better than that. Off the boards and out. It's simple. Yeah. Well, I would have rather he done the classic Nikita Zaitsev and just randomly ice the puck when everyone's like, down the ice. Yeah, everyone's like, dude, <laughs> you could have done anything else there, but I would have rather that icing because Ross, and again, nodding to Ian Mendez in his article, but after that brutal giveaway that resulted in the Sens being hemmed in their own zone for a long time. And guess how that play ended? Nikita Zaitsev penalty. So weak call though, I will say. Uh, yeah, but who? it doesn't matter. The yeah, result yeah. is the same. Now you're down a man over all you had to do. You had time and space to do anything but what you did there. So, And that's the thing. The puck is a grenade on Nikita Zaitsev's stick. Like That's something that anyone who has played hockey, let alone an NHL defenseman making millions, like that is just so simple there. So that that's very tough. But yeah. JBD recalled now, so the the yo-yo is bouncing back up here. And this has to mean that they're thinking of scratching Zaitsev or probably Holden as well as in that mix. Uh, I think Zaitsev is the more deserving candidate to get the scratch here, but who knows with with this team. And and that's where I've got my biggest qualms with DJ Smith. Like, you, you mentioned it. DJ Smith has been a coach for every single Zaitsev NHL game. Including who's counting. Yeah, honestly, including going back with the Leafs. So if anyone in this entire National Hockey League understands Nikita Zaitsev's game, it's DJ Smith. So why does he continue to trot him out here? And especially when Pierre Dorian has brought up JVD, that, that's where the question is. Is there a miscommunication between them? DJ's saying, nah, JVD's not ready. To, you can call him up and I'm not going to play him. Or is it, like what's what's going on there? So what does in your mind, Ross? What does this recall of JBD signal? Like what is it foreshadowing for the next move here? Well, unfortunately, to me, it immediately signals that we will not see Artem Zub tomorrow night because yeah. if you're already getting a defenseman back from injury, it would feel strange to call up another one. DJ has said that they do have some guys banged up on the back end. They all played. On Saturday, it almost feels like, well, if the decor is struggling and individually everyone not named Jake Sanderson seems to be struggling, I should say Eric Branch as well. He yeah. looked good again on Saturday, but there's four guys who aren't playing up to what you would expect them to. And with that, if one of those guys is the one that's banged up, like, what are we doing? Just battling through it here, 11 games in the season. Clearly, it's affecting how they're playing. I'd like to see somebody come out for that. However, that's my immediate takeaway. Number two is maybe 
he's realized that you can't have all three of Hamannick, Holden, and Zaitsev in the lineup. Our whole rationalization for getting Hamannick involved was we'd see no Zaitsev and less of Holden. I was like, okay, well, I understand that. But now they're all playing. Like, come on. We, we got we to gotta figure it out here a little bit. They played the youth up front, and all of a sudden they're scoring goals. They're looking better up front. So mm-hmm. it, it just feels to me like counterproductive trying to bring this guy up. And I'm sure JBD's not complaining. Well, NHL paycheck, how are you? Day to day, get the per diem and all that. But yep. he, he needs to be in the lineup. And I think that it could, again, we don't know. Maybe we'll know more by, by 11 o'clock when DJ Smith speaks. But they are going on, on the road after Tuesday's game. I wonder if they're like, okay, get a couple practice days. Maybe we'll play him on the road. But if I'm the coach, I'm playing JBD tomorrow where they have the last change. They can control the matchups a little bit better. And if he doesn't play and gets sent back down again, especially if he misses a Belleville game, I'm going to start really questioning what we're doing here with JBD. Yeah, I mean, the Belleville centers don't play again until Friday, Ross, so... At least we we know he's not going to miss any games here. But yeah, that's the thing. And and Jack and I talked about this in the postcast is you're at a point now where losing five straight games and having similar results each game, sometimes you got to make a change to send a message. And I don't think firing DJ Smith is the right change to send a message here because then who's going to be the next coach, et cetera. It, it unravels a whole lot of other issues. So I think the clear thing to do is send a message and scratch or wave some of your veteran defensemen that you don't need to be playing as much as you do. And then the decor has got to look at themselves and be like, Hey, our jobs aren't just safe here. And as a result of our poor play, it's affecting guys on the team. And I don't know if the locker room uh, would, uh, would go up in arms. If Nikita Zaitsev is waived, like, uh, like they did when Zach Smith was waived. I don't know if he has that kind of cachet in the room, but I'm just saying there needs to be something done where it's like, Whoa, okay, this can't continue and something needs to change. And I don't love the idea of having three of your defensemen in their early twenties with limited NHL experience in Brandstrom Sanderson and JBD, but Sanderson's a 500 game vet. Yeah, it, it it does seem that way. But I don't, I don't also like seeing veteran guys who aren't playing well just for the sake that, yeah, they're veteran guys and uh, you need to have them in the lineup here because that's not working. If that was working, fine, but that's not working. So we need to see a change here. And uh, although, like I mentioned, I don't think JBD is going to be a savior, I, I think it's it's going to be an improvement at the very least. Well, we will find out soon. Follow the show on Twitter at Send Central on Instagram, LockedOn.Senators. And please subscribe to the Locked On Senators YouTube page and be a friend, tell a friend. It goes a long way to help the show grow. All right, coming up, we've got our prospect roundup. Pistol Pedersen continues his goal-scoring prowess. And the K-Train, choo-choo, he continues his great play. All that coming up right here. Stay tuned on the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. You are locked on Senators. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Piller here on a Monday to start a big week. Got to go two for three this week. Yeah, you, you got to. And look, 
Vancouver, you're at home, so you get last change. And I know the Canucks have been trending upwards lately, but I, I still think that's a beatable team. The Devils, Ross. The New Jersey Devils are second in the conference, only behind the Boston Bruins. Like, they have been hot as hell. Pun, pun intended on uh, that one. Ooh. <laughs> uh, and then the fly, you got the Flyers. That's a team you should beat and should have beat in the last game. So, yeah, two for three, I think, is very attainable and, and necessary. And Ross, unfortunately, our must-win games record for your Ottawa Senators now sits at two and two. I know. We're so good. I'm not putting the must-win label against Vancouver, though. Like, no, I think well, if anything, it's, if there's a must-win game this week, no matter how the first two go, you have to beat Philly for Claude in their barn. But, Ross, here's the thing. I, I, I agree with you, but if this team doesn't win the next two games, we're looking at a seven-game losing streak. <laughs> uh, and no wins in November again. I mean, what is going on in November? This is absolute insanity for yeah, November. We're not there yet, though. Hey, three wins, and all of a sudden we turn this thing around. It's a big week. The, the thumbnail is going to read in big letters, crucial week ahead. Crucial think, or critical? Crucial's shorter, and it's all about efficiency here when you're trying to make the font as big as possible. A little behind the curtains here. Hey, behind the curtains of Sends Prospects, and we always love our buddy at Sends Prospects on Twitter. We get a lot of the video clips from this one, but you know I'm already locked and loaded with North Dakota. Going down there next Saturday, Denver Nodak, going to be a great matchup. Going to get to see some guys we profiled last year in our draft rankings as well. So I'm looking forward to all that sitting like one section over from the student section, Pilsy. So it's going to be, it's going to be a wild atmosphere. I'll, I'll uh, chronicle some of it at send central nice. on Twitter, but Tyler Clevin, the K train gets his first goal of the year. Pilsy kid looked like Josh Norris teeing up the one timer from his off wing. Hey, you'll love to see that. And, uh, that's that's a nice little boost. Hopefully getting that monkey off his back. Ross will help boost Clevin. Cause I know, it, I mean, yeah, tough start, but also you got to appreciate he's he's in a new role here, although he did play a considerable amount of time as the top guy when Sanderson was injured last year. But this is a very different kind of look and role for him this year. So it may take some adjustments and Nodak is a different looking team than they have been in the past. So I, I think they're going to figure things out as when you got a coach like Brad Berry, you, you're probably uh, looking all right in the long term, but Nice that Tyler Clevin gets that goal because we want to see some boost in his offensive production here before he heads into likely, likely he's going to head to the pros next season. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Oh, I'd be shocked if he's not in Belleville's lineup down the stretch this year, right after yeah. no doubt the season ends. I think he's, he's that ready to sign and, and contribute not at the NHL level, like Pinto and, and like JVD and Sanderson came out of college and, and went straight to the NHL for their first little tryout. But um, no, I'm excited to see what's next and all the full scouting report for you on next Monday's show for him. But Pilsy, why don't you tell us about Philip Nordberg, who was sent back to the J20 League. Talk about defensemen scoring goals, Ross. And this was an absolute gorgeous goal. They win the draw. He gets around his attacking man. And the way he's able to get that much power on his shot when he's kind of like chicken winged himself and he's got to get it off at a bad angle and he gets it top cheese like that's an incredible goal so the mythical creature is out there just doing legendary things I mean that's a really nice goal so Philip Nordberg he's uh 
he's piquing my interest. Let's just say that. I, I was kind of like a, huh, when they drafted him, but I, I'm getting up there. When you when you see, obviously, the work ethic and discipline it takes to, uh, to be able to have a shredded body like that dude does, he's obviously doing something right, and it's uh, translating onto the ice here. Yeah, what I like to see about Philip Norberg, too, is like he looks enormous out there. He's already 6'4", 210. When he has the puck on his stick in the offensive zone, he looks like an like a, a shorter offensive defense. Yeah. Like he's really good at controlling the play, and his pivots are really good, opening up different passing and shooting lanes. And man, he put that one upstairs. Go check out at Sense Prospects. He put out the video for that one. Sticking in Sweden, where Pistol pew, 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 Patterson got another goal back at the J20 level. But I think more importantly than that, this league that he's completely torching, 13 goals in 18 games, 22 points, how are you? Is he got his first real taste of the SHL? He's played four games up there this year, but in his most recent appearance, he played over six minutes, which for a U20 player is enormous. His other SHL minutes this year, he sat on the bench and did not even play the first game. Then he played two minutes and 23 seconds, then two minutes and 50 seconds. And then, like I mentioned, over six minutes, had a shot on goal as well. So this guy's trajectory is going way up and he's already a friend of the show. He's going to be coming back on right after he's got a national team event coming up in about a week and a half. So this guy, I loved his attitude when we had him on the classic Swede where you're like, like, have you been taking English since you were three years old? Like just great English. Great. Has, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Big kid too, power forward. I love, if you missed his interview with us, this guy labels himself as a Patrick Hornquist type. And that guy's had a hell of a career. Yep, not bad at all. And uh, speaking of guys we've had on the show and uh, good attitudes, Cameron O'Neill. He continues to keep things going with the Tri-City Storm Rosses. He's on a three-game point streak. He's got two goals, six assists in nine games played. That's courtesy of our buddy at Sens Prospects. So, you love to see him being able to kind of seamlessly transition to a higher competition level. So shout out to Cameron O'Neill, a late draft pick, but he's looking nice so far. Yeah, he certainly has. Uh, to the OHL, where Tyler Boucher is still serving a ridiculous suspension. I don't know if you and I have even had a chance to really talk about that. No. I know Arshin went off in the postcast, uh, the game w- where you weren't uh, available for, but um, that was an absolutely brutal play. I shot him a message to say, yeah, keep your head up. Keep playing the way you are. Cause it was, I believe more of a reaction to the injury, which was unfortunate. We hope that, uh, Very scary. Yeah. Is, is, all, is all the best, but like, that's a hit that you see in the NHL, like five times a game where guys are just finishing hard. And it's unfortunate the way that, uh, the defenseman landed and, um, but six games like that's, that's a bit much. Yeah. I think, the the thing is when when you're the OHL and you're dealing with kids playing here and a really really unfortunate incident where uh, I I believe he had a seizure didn't he the the player that got hit so he landed like right like on his head slash collarbone and yeah it, it was not a good sight yeah so that's the thing I I think that's more uh, kind of just trying to portray the message that look we're we're not trying to have such a physical game down here. And when something results like that, we, we got to lay out a big punishment. I, I, I get it. It's, it's, it's just Tyler Boucher hockey he plays hard. And when you're a guy of his kind of strength that going up against some younger kids in the OHL, that can happen. But six games is a lot. 
but I think when you have a result like that in the OHL, it's it's warranted, unfortunately. All right. I would have given him zero games for that hit. Uh, but you know what? Not my choice. Uh, ben Roger has three points in 11 games with Kingston. I'm hoping that he gets moved to a, a, a contender and see yeah. how he can fare there. And Wouldn't Ottawa be a fun story? I mean, Shane Wright, yeah, nobody true. knows what happened if he's going to come back to junior. But it sounds like if he does, then Kingston's going to try to trade Shane Wright and start. I, I think those two are attached, Ross. Like from listening to Jeff Merrick, he's saying that if uh, Shane Wright does get sent down, there's going to have to be a trade set in, in uh, place already. Like he's not, they're not going to send him to Kingston as is. And uh, that's kind of like a behind the scenes handshake agreement. Uh, and I mean, for Kingston, that's not that bad. You're going to get a haul of picks for that trade, whatever, or, or uh, great prospects in return. So that's fine. Certainly, certainly. Oliver Johansson's heating up as well since his loan. He's now up to uh, four goals in 13 games, but all four goals are in the last six games. He scored on Sunday as well. Nice to see him. A little unknown, almost sometimes forgotten prospect. Uh, who does have a lot of offensive skill. But Pilsy, I want to end off with a lot of the prospects who are in Ottawa's own backyard in Belleville. What'd you see from them this weekend? Yeah, so, I mean, it, it sucks to lead off with this, Ross, but the injuries in Belleville are absolutely astounding. Like that tweet, it's like, you got to scroll down to see all the injuries. I believe it's eight or nine guys that are out right now. And then, and then you take JBD out of the equation too. He's just sitting in the press box. So there is like Troy Mann is, he's got to be sitting there like, what am I supposed to do here? But overall, not a bad weekend. They win 3-2 over the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. I was hoping that would translate to the Ottawa Senators beating their big brother club in Philly, but that didn't exactly go as planned. And Ridley Gregg has looked great. He had he had a couple nice assists. He's got three assists on the season. And Crooker, he scored a goal up against the Marlies. Uh, tough 5-2 loss to the Marlies here. But really, it's, if you're going to split two games on the weekend when you have that many guys out, that's about all you can ask for, really. It's unfortunate that they lose the divisional game, which we know in the AHL, division games are massive. But um, overall, I think they've been doing... All right there. And once they get like they've got some major injuries like Jace Howerluck, Victor Lodine, guys like that that are out, that really affects your lineup. So I think once they start getting those guys back, you're really going to see a big boost here from Belleville. And Igor Sokolov kind of suffering from the same problem that Alex Debrinkit has, where it's like he's only got one goal in 10 games, but he's got nine points, eight yeah. assists. So it's like, okay, is he just kind of doing different things? The he's a disher. He's a disher, exactly. So we're looking forward to seeing Belleville kind of get back on track in the upcoming week as well. And they're, they're going to have a tough time doing it with, as you mentioned, the guys who are out of the lineup. They've also got a tough schedule coming up. They're in Syracuse on Friday and then home to the the damn Rochester Americans. I've mm. seen enough of that team for about a decade at this point. But uh, that's a big weekend for them. they got to at least get one, you'd think, to keep pace here in the AHL's division so all right that's uh that's our show today we've got a game day tomorrow the senators and vancouver canucks and our friend tyler ray at defense minister on twitter mentioning that ryan reynolds will be in the building tomorrow night hmm hmm i mean that's huge he's, he's a vancouver guy the canucks up against the sens this so, this i don't know Ross. If he's wearing a Sens hat, then it's like all systems go for, for the sale. 
we we don't have to do it now because we're wrapping up the show, but I think we may need to reconsider if this is a must-win game. You gotta stop the losing slide and entice the celebrity owner that hey, the Ottawa Senators, the vibes are high. They're beating the Vancouver Canucks at home. I don't know, but it, it, it is very interesting that uh, it seems like the Ryle Brent, like at first Ross, I was just like, ah, this is just a fluff piece, but it seems like there's some legit weight to it. And uh, this could be a serious thing that uh, he could have an ownership stake in your Ottawa Senators. Yeah, 100%. I, I'm, I'm very curious as to Ryan Reynolds' appearance, especially against Vancouver. Like if he comes rolling in, Wearing a Bo Horvat jersey and a Vancouver Canucks hat. Like, I'm, I'm all the way out on him owning the team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's fair. What if he comes in with one of those, like, half-stitched jerseys where it's, like, half-sends, half-Canucks? I'm double out if that's the case. I'm, do- <laughs> like, no thank you, sir. All right, we got a great week of shows coming up here. Uh, somebody who's, this is my only hint for our Thursday guest. He has covered the Ottawa Senators since day one. That a good hint? Yeah, I don't think it gives away too much. No, I mean there there's a handful of guys I can think of that are in that scenario, so it doesn't give away too much. All right, well we're gonna have fun with the guessing game up until Thursday there, and we've got lots more to get to tomorrow. And then our Central Citizen Alex Adams will join us. We were on his podcast last week, so go check that out. In the meantime, behind the play podcast as well all right for today we say goodbye for brandon pillar i'm ross levitan and this has been the locked on senators podcast your team every day